Now we are, we are in the third week of a, a series called Family Matters. Looking at the directive that God has for our life. And having an understanding that our God is not a rules and regulations God. He's not a big do and don't God. God loves you. He's crazy about you. In fact, you see this this scripture that's on the walls. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens. And not just fellow citizens, you are members of the household of God. God says this, you are my children, you're part of my family. And that's, that's always been God's heart. That's been God's heart since the, since the foundation of time. And that's God's heart towards you. That's God's heart towards you. It always has been and it always will be. And as God took his people out of the bondage of Egypt and was taking them towards a land flowing with milk and honey, their leader, a man named Moses, he went up on the mountaintop and God gave him these directives or these commandments to follow. And and he gave them to man, not to confine man, but to protect man. He gave them to us, not to confine us, but to protect us. To, to, to help us, to engage with us. And he starts with three, what we, what we know as commandments, he starts with these three directives that have to do, deal with our relationship with him. Because friend, your relationship with God, the health and the depth of your relationship with God is gonna determine the health and depth of every other relationship that you have. It's impossible to walk in truly healthy relationship unless you have a healthy relationship with God. And so he starts by saying this, that I have to be the top priority in your life. And the reason for that is because anything that has a higher priority in your life than God is going to be a stress area for you, an anxiety for you, a pressure point for you, because strength flows from God. Supply flows from God. Security flows from God. Identity flows from God. Peace flows from God. And God wants to bring all this into your life. And when we put anything in our life as a higher priority, what it does is it disrupts the natural order that God has designed, this natural order that he's designed to bless you. So God said this. He said, make sure that your priorities don't get messed up. Don't have any other gods, false gods, before me. We see in the the story of Jezebel, it's so easy for that to get twisted, right? And for us to put our confidence and our hope in other things. He then says this. He says, I don't want you worshiping things. Oh my goodness, can we fall into that trap, can't we? Don't, Don't turn anything that can be made by man's hand into an idol. Because what we'll do, it'll dominate you, it'll distort you, it'll deform you, it'll defeat you. And then our focus this morning, here's what it says in Exodus 27, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, or do not misuse the name of the Lord. He will not hold you guiltless, those of you who misuse his name. God, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you'd make it a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. Help us, oh God, to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. God, we we commit these moments to you and we thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Now, here's what I know. I know this. I know that these these commandments, while you might not be able to quote them, uh, they're familiar to you. 
And yet, and yet, oftentimes they are tremendously misunderstood. Let me ask you a question this morning. Would you identify today as a Christ follower? Would you call yourself a Christian? Do you do so publicly? Do your other family members know that you're a Christ follower? Do your coworkers know that you're a Christian? Your classmates? Your neighbors? Do you have a fish on your car? Or a, or, a, or a Jesus bumper sticker? Uh, I, uh, I, I remember uh, there was, there was uh, I, I served on staff at a church where uh, the lead pastor said to the pastor's wife, we, we, got, we got some some bumper stickers for our youth ministry. I was a youth pastor at the time. And uh, uh, the, uh, the lead pastor told the pastor's wife, said, you cannot put one of those bumper stickers on your car. And she says, why not? And he said, because you don't drive like a Christian. And... Uh, <laughs> Do not misuse the name of the Lord, for He will not hold those guiltless who misuse His name. Now, most of us here, we have a pretty good idea, at least culturally, what that means. If I stub my toe, I should should not say Jesus, right? And I can't even say, oh my gosh, because if I say, oh my gosh, we know that gosh is a slang for something else, right? And that's not good. Anybody else grow up hearing those things? Right? And we know, we certainly don't say the biggie, which I won't even use the initials in the house this morning. Out of fear that a lightning bolt will just come right through uh, these these false clouds and just, just hit me right on the head. And yet, I firmly believe that the that, that the Bible that you the, the Bible that you hold the Bible that you read. I I wholeheartedly believe this that it is the divinely inspired word of God, and that it is word for word true. And so you can take it at face value. But understand this: that when the word of God is written, it is written to a people in a time period that we're able then to look at and embrace throughout all time. And so when, when God writes, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for He will hold you responsible. He will not hold, allow those to be guiltless who misuse His name. That is an undeniable truth that we can apply into our life, but that was a statement that God was making to the Israelites on the base of the mountain. It was a a, a commandment that was given to Moses on the top of the mountain that he was to take down and give to the people at the bottom of the mountain. And let me let you into a little insight into their culture. First of all, they would have never used the name of Jesus because they had yet to hear the name of Jesus. It was their culture to not even reference the name of God. His name was that holy. It never even came across their lips. So the idea 
of using God's name in the familiar or the idea of using God's name even more so in the derogatory would have never been an issue. It would have been something that would have never taken place. In fact, if you look at history, let's look at the early church. In the early church, it would have not have been culture, it would have not been practice, it would have been an absolute aberration to reverence God in any way other than grateful adoration. Fast forward to the Middle Ages, still true. Let's go forward to the time of the Reformation. Now we're just 500 years ago, still true. This idea of using the name of God in the familiar really is a fairly recent phenomenon. And yet somehow what we have done is we have reduced this very important, very significant directive from God to, I have to be careful that I don't say these five words in an inappropriate way. Well, let me help you this morning. God was not concerned about you saying, oh my gosh, when he carved into a stone tablet on the top of the mountain in front of Moses, do not misuse my name. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This idea of of vanity, of vain, Vain means without impact, without result. And so what God said there on the top of the mountain, what he, what he brought to the Israelites there as they were making their way through the wilderness on the way to the promised land, what has been reiterated over and over again Let your light so shine so they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Live your life in such a way that if they want to say something bad about you, they have to make something, uh, uh, make something up because you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. So when I, when I live a life as a Christ follower and my life has no influence in the world around me, when I live my life as a Christian and yet I am not the salt of the earth, the light of the world, my identity as a Christ follower, my expression as a Christian, it's an expression without impact. And I have taken upon the name of the Lord my God. I have identified as one of his followers. 
And yet I, I live my life in vain. And here's what I know. I know this, that most of us in this room, we're real careful about not saying what we consider to be a profane statement. And, and can I just offer you this, just as a side note, I think that's a pretty good practice to not use those names inappropriately. But friend, God wants you to see his word from a very different perspective and understand all that he offers you and all that he brings to you. In Exodus chapter 3, we we see the story of of Moses there, and and he's standing before the burning bush, right? Actually, actually he starts out by, he's just, he's there in the the plains of Midian. He's he's, he's watching over his father-in-law Jethro's sheep, and he sees this bush that's on fire, but the bush is is, is not being burned up, which, and it, it, it makes him curious. So he walks over to this bush, and the bush begins to talk to him. Now, I don't know about you, that's going to freak me out a little bit, right? And the bush tells him this, says, Moses, take off your shoes for, the, for where you're standing is holy ground. And he goes, all right, I'm going to take off my shoes. I'm taking off my shoes. I'm taking off my shoes. It's a burning bush. I'm taking off my shoes, right? I'm listening to you, bush, right? Because, right, at this point, it's a talking bush. And then the bush does this. Uh, I am. I am the God. And notice this. Here's what he says. He says, I am the God who sees. So when we think about who God is, when we think about the name of God, when we think about what his name represents, because God says this, I am the I am. I am the whatever you need. I am the whatever you can imagine. I am the I am. And even at the very beginning of this journey with Moses, here's what God says. He says, I have seen the plight of my people in Egypt. I am the God who sees. And I have heard their cries. I am the God who hears. God sees everything that you're going through. He sees every challenge that you face. He sees every opportunity in front of you. He absolutely understands your life situation. He hears when you talk to him. Listen, even in those moments when it seems like God isn't there, even in those moments when it seems like God isn't engaged, even in those moments when it, when it seems like he doesn't hear you, recognize that he hears you. The children of Israel crying in Egypt, God is speaking to Moses through a burning bush on the plains of Midian. Why? Because he doesn't just see, he doesn't just hear, he also cares. He cares. God cares. That's what it tells us there in Exodus chapter 3. It, it, God says this, I have seen the plight of, my, of my, my people in Egypt, and I've heard their cries, and I am concerned about them. I care about them. And so Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue them. Because he's not just the God who sees, 
He's not just the God who hears. He's not just the God who cares. He's also the God who reaches out and lifts us up. And he faithfully does that over and over and over and over again. And he doesn't just rescue us. This is what I think is really amazing about God. He doesn't just rescue us. God says, I'm going to lift them out of their misery. I'm going to lift them out of the bondage of Egypt. And I'm going to take them into a land flowing with milk and honey. Because he's a God who rewards. And we see that right there in those two portions, in those two verses of Scripture. Exodus 3, verses 7 through 8. He sees their plight. He hears their cries. He cares about what's going on in their life, and he's going to do something about it. He's going to rescue them and ultimately take them to a place of reward. And because God is consistent, because God never changes, God's disposition towards the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt is the same disposition towards you today. So that difficulty that you're going through, that challenge that you're facing, that frustration that seems to be ruling your day, even when you might think that God is far from you, God sees what's going on on your job. He hears how you're praying about your family situation. He cares about that doctor's diagnosis that has wrecked you. And he is the God who reaches out and rescues. And doesn't just rescue, but he also repositions and rewards. I'm going to take them out of bondage and I'm going to lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the reason why... Our posture towards him is so important. And as we, as we say yes to him, that our life should reflect the fact that God sees, that he hears, that he cares, that he rescues, and that he rewards. And so, Here's what I've come to understand. That when I embrace the name of God, when, when, I, when I lean into the name of Jesus, it should mean something. It should, it should have impact. I... Uh, I had to drop a watch off at, uh, at a local jeweler uh, a, uh, yesterday. And it's, it's, a, it's a watch um, that it just, because, it, because it's a watch that you can wear underwater, I do a lot of, I do a lot of uh, you know, exploring where I need to have a watch that will be waterproof at 300 feet. That always amazes me, right? You buy these watches and they say that they're waterproof to 300 feet. Has anybody ever tested it to make sure? Um, Anyway, the, the, one of the things with those watches is that if you, if you have the battery replaced, uh, you have to, re have to have it replaced by somebody who knows how to deal with those gaskets. Otherwise, the watch is waterproof to about 
three inches. And so, um, and so there's a, a jeweler here locally that does it very inexpensively. Otherwise, you have to send them in and, and the companies want to charge you just a really large amount of money. So I dropped it off and the guy knows me and he knows what I do. And he asked me this question yesterday. He said, hey, you know anybody wants to buy a church building? And I said, um, not sure. I said, um, why do you ask? He goes, yeah, because we're closing down our church and we're selling our church building. And I stood there absolutely shattered. And there's a good chance that 24 months from now, where that church used to be, that there's going to be yet another apartment building in Orlando, because we need more. Right? That's exactly what we need. We need another four-story tall apartment building that has inadequate parking. Come on, Orlando. That's, I mean, thank you, Jesus, for yet another apartment building. And he asked me this question. He said, y'all are still doing fine, aren't you? I said, absolutely. I said, we're seeing people enter into a relationship with Jesus every Sunday. And he goes, well, why, why is your church doing okay and my church is closing? And I said to him, I said, that's a loaded question. And I said, sir, I have to be honest with you, that's a question you probably don't want me to answer. Jesus, the presence of Jesus should make a difference in my life. The presence of Jesus, it should, it should make a difference, it should make a difference in your life. Because he is the God who sees, he's, he's the God who hears, he, he's the God who cares, he's the God who rescues. He's the God who rewards. And he's, he's, he's faithful to that. He's, he's faithful to that. So then, how, how should I use this name? Here's what God says to Moses a, a few verses later. In verse number 14, God says this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen uh, what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of the Israelites will listen to, to you, and then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and he is going to deliver us. Here's what we must do. Number one, we must represent his name correctly. 
If I'm going to identify as a Christ follower, then I have to embrace God's word that says this, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Do not touch the unclean things. And I will come unto you and I will make you my sons and my daughters. I have to, I have to embrace the heart of Jesus who said, Go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Let me reiterate a statement I made just a little while ago. If you identify as a Christ follower and it's not impacting those around you, you are violating the third commandment. And the good news is this, there's therefore no condemnation for those that are Christ Jesus. God didn't bring you here today to make you feel guilty, but I'm convinced of this, I'm convinced that he brought us here today to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, right? Condemnation is feeling guilty. Conviction is an understanding and an earnest desire to change. I, I, have, to, I have to represent his name correctly. I also, I have to, I have to reverence his name and I have to do that continually. So he says in verse 15, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. We live in a time, friends, where people have to know that the name of God is more than a slang word. And for them to know that it's more than a slang word isn't accomplished simply by you watching your tongue and not saying, oh my gosh. Because here's what we have to do. He says, go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done you in Egypt and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hivites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And here's what we have to do. We have to rely on his name consistently. Because, what, because the promised land that God calls his children into that we see there in Exodus chapter 3 is a land that is inhabited by the Canaanites. Baal is a Canaanite god. Asherah is a Canaanite goddess. And the people in that land are worshiping false gods. That the children of Israel, as they go from, from, from bondage in Egypt and they go into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, it was God's desire that they live blessed, but instead they very quickly embraced false gods. And what they did is they went from the bondage of Pharaoh to the bondage of these false gods. Why? Because they did not properly use the name of God. They did not properly embrace the identity that he was giving them. 
And friends, far too many of us who identify as Christ followers were living our lives in various forms of bondage. Because even though we claim to be a Christ follower, our life is without impact. Our life is without influence. And God has brought you here today to say to you, I am the God who sees. I see what's going on in your life. I am the God who hears. I hear your cries. I am the God who cares about what you're going through. And it is my plan, it is my heart, it is my intent to rescue you and to reward you. But here's what has to happen. Going forward, you have to represent my name appropriately. You have to reverence my presence in your life. And you've got to rely not on, your, not, on your, not on your workplace. You have to rely on me. You have to rely not on your horizontal relationships. You have to rely on me. You have to rely not on the resources that you have in your bank account. You have to rely on me. And walk the walk that I've called you to walk. You know, the Bible says that confession is good for the soul. So let me make this confession to you this morning. I think there's an awful lot of the time that I misuse the name of God. Oh, I, I don't say those terms. Those, those, those disappeared from my vocabulary a long time ago. Well, that's not true, Pastor. We've heard you say, oh my gosh, several times in church. Just lighten up. I just, I, I, I don't say, I just don't say those things. But I've been anxious about letting my light shine before my neighbors. Yeah. I think I have to slow play it, I've thought. I, at times, I, I've been, concerned about the, the monthly bank balance. Even more so, even more so as it relates to the church. Let me, let me talk to you practically for a moment. Um, and you got, if you've been around, you've heard this story. If you're new, you haven't heard this story. Um, I've been the pastor here for a little over five years. And, and when, I, uh, when I first got here, uh, I was told, uh, before I even uh, uh, agreed to, to be presented as a, a candidate, as a lead pastor, I was told this uh, in, in late 2013. I became the pastor in January 2014. In late 2013, I was told, okay, just where you know, here's the, here's the, here's the, the, the big scenario. Uh, the church will probably run out of money in May of 2014, which I thought, cool. Uh, I'm going to move my family uh, to Florida and, uh, and take on a new job that's probably going to be able to pay me for four months. Hey, thanks, God. This is awesome. I love it, right? A big building that's in significant disrepair and, and uh, awesome. Um, that the attendance has just been steady, decline, 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 decline. Let's do this. So God, because I'm really excited to be about, about, about being known 
as the pastor who killed Calvary Assembly of God. That would just be awesome on, re- on my resume, God. Sign me up. And for those of you that have been around, you know this. For those of, the, those of you that are new, hopefully you've already figured this out. We didn't run out of money. Not only did we not run out of money, but we started seeing this massive provision come in. So 2014, we didn't run out of money. We finished 2014, half a million dollars in the black. Right, yeah, and that's, that's pretty cool, right? Right now as a church, and for those of you that are guests, for those of you that are watching via live stream, we're a church, we, we have no debt, okay? And we've recently completely remodeled this room. We've put in all new lighting. We've put in uh, all new sound system, and we've put it on, and, and it's, it's, it's crazy how expensive this stuff is. We've, we've put in an elevator system, and, and, and we've got a few more improvements. We're working on replacing all the concrete around the building, the concrete that's cracked in the next nine months to 12 months. That'll all be redone. It's just taking some time on the engineering, and God has provided all of that. We, we sit with a little over $8 million in the bank, let me let you in a little secret. We are year-to-date budget. Um, we're about, we're about $30,000 under budget for where we're supposed to be for the year. And our largest giver moved at the first of the year. I get anxious about that, which is insane. Because God has proven himself over and over again. And by the way, not just here. I've been doing this for 30, I've been a pastor for 30 years. A lead pastor for 20 years. And God has proven himself over and over and over and over again. But I find myself regularly trying to figure out how I'm going to fix it. How I'm going to do it, right? How I'm going to resource it. How I'm going to guide it. And I, thinking somehow it, it's, it, it depends on me. Knowing full well that God's word says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that try to build it. Knowing full well that God's word says, everything I've, given you, I've already given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Knowing full well that his word says that I am Jehovah Jireh, the God that does provide. I am the God that supplies. Knowing these things, I regularly lean into my humanity rather than rather than representing his name and reverencing his name and relying on his name. And I I find this, as a result, I worry needlessly. I work ineffectively. And my approach to God far too often is an approach of desperation rather than dedication and declaration. Declaration. 
It's easy to do that with, with all of the cares of the world, isn't it? See, we're called to be the salt of the earth. We're called to be the light of the world. We're we're called to be a a city on a hill. We are called to go out of the highways and byways and compel that his house is full. We're called to go and make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're called to live this life as more than conquerors. We're called to live this life as overcomers. To have the joy of the Lord as our strength and to let the fruit of the Spirit be a beacon in a world that is so, so hungry for that which only God can bring. You're you're, you're an incredible warrior. I want you to know that you're an incredible warrior. You're an incredible woman of God. You're an incredible man of God. And as I look around this room, I see so many truly remarkable people. I see so many truly remarkable people that if we were honest, our life doesn't have nearly the impact that it should. Really, We're doing some things. We're doing some things in the name of Jesus. But we're doing them in vain. And God brought us here this morning not to put us on blast, but to say that my my plan for you is a different plan. I have positioned you as an executive in that company for your light to shine so brightly. I had you move into that that specific neighborhood because that's your mission field. I I have connected you with this ministry for a divine purpose. And the activities of the day have taken predominance. And God would say to you today, while I appreciate the fact that you don't use my name as a pejorative, as a curse word. To use my name in vain means to use it without impact. And my heart is that there be much more impact in your life. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. 
Thanks for listening and God bless.